Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not insured by any government agency, not a deposit or other obligation of, or guaranteed by JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A. or any of its affiliates, subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. What do you look for in a friend? I think that that is a great framework as to how to think about an advisor. Because ultimately, finding an advisor is based on building a relationship based on trust and rapport. Welcome to Season 5 of the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this season, we're giving our financial health a checkup with some phenomenal women giving us the prescription for financial wellness. We'll speak to experts on how to educate your children about money, how to address debt, and how to save for home ownership. It's a masterclass on understanding and managing your money. My guest today is Anne-Marie Vondergoltz, Vice President and Financial Advisor with J.P. Morgan Securities. In this episode, Anne-Marie breaks down the role of a financial advisor, equal parts coach and friend. It's a great conversation about investments, long-term financial strategies, and weathering market volatility. Anne-Marie, welcome to our Women on the Move podcast. It's great to have you joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. So let's start with just breaking down what is a financial advisor. Tell us about the role, what you do on most days, and who you work with. A financial advisor, from my perspective, is a coach. I think academically, we can easily point to all of the pieces that financial advisors do investments, lending, estate planning, you know, retirement planning, talking about expenses and cash flow. But what I see as more important is the relationship that is built over a long term between client and advisor, where the client shares their wants, their needs, their fears, and the advisor translates that into an investment strategy and really an overall financial strategy for a client's life that will achieve those goals and needs that the client has articulated. We work with clients and the high net worth and the ultra high net worth level, although there is a wealth management model for everyone at every stage. And because no two clients look the same, no days of mine look the same, it really runs the gamut. I am often working with clients on their individual issues and needs, and that can be anything from helping someone decide what the best way is to make a gift. On a different day, I could be working with a client on solving a lending need. They might want to buy a property, and on another day, I might be chasing a client down to try and get them to update their will where they're working with another advisor, right, a a legal counsel to actually do that. But I think that points to how the role of financial advisor has evolved over time, where we have to be 10 steps ahead. And we have to be thinking about the ripple effect of anything we do and making sure that we are using the group think and the knowledge we have from servicing other clients to set each new client up or each client facing a new situation to set them up for success. So I love your energy when you describe this. It sounds like you truly love your job. I absolutely love it. I never want to redo my resume. 
<laughs> That's a joke that my business partner and I always have. I love my job. I can't picture myself doing anything else. So we know that you know younger folks have the benefit of time, generally speaking, when it comes to investing and watching their money grow. So when you think about talking to clients, younger clients who are just starting out and might feel like they you know don't have as much to invest, what do you tell them? How do you talk to folks to let them know everybody can do this at no matter what wealth level they have? What's interesting for younger clients is that they tend to have a harder time articulating what they want their money to do for them. They just want growth, which is a great thing to aim for. Uh, it doesn't always work out in practice, depending on what you pick, of course. But how do you take the idea of growth and line that up with an actual investment to make? I think that's very complicated to articulate and to, to put into words, right? Particularly when you're younger and you don't have habits and life experiences that an older generation might have. So talk about how women in particular might approach finding an advisor. You, know, you mentioned, obviously you want someone who's skilled and knows the job and the markets, but you're also a coach and you're also a therapist, if you will. So you play all these roles, very emotional. What should women be looking for when they're looking for someone? I think that... I'm actually going to kind of answer with a question, if you don't mind. And I would say, you know, what do you look for in a friend? I think that that is a great framework as to how to think about an advisor. Because ultimately, finding an advisor is based on building a relationship based on trust and rapport. And, you know, I think when we think about looking for friends, we want to see, you know, are you friends with people like me? Do I know people that know you? Do I feel heard? when I talk to you? Do we have a good rapport? Am I getting good feedback from you? Do I want to spend time with you? And I think actually the most important part of it is, do I feel comfortable being open with you? That's an issue that I often see when we are working with a potential client. They want to know everything about us, but they're not as open and they're not willing to expose themselves and share their situation. And I think that's one of the fundamental ways that we build friendships. And that is something that I view as absolutely core to working with an advisor, that if you don't feel comfortable opening up, it's probably not going to be a great relationship. And it does need to be a two-way street, right? Your advisor is only good as the information you share with them. I think for women in particular, it would be foolish to ignore that the financial industry is male-dominated. I think I would encourage women to not wilt in the face of that and rise to the challenge. And by that, I mean that there can be a feeling in the financial services industry where if you weren't born an expert, you don't deserve a seat at the table. And that is something that everyone should push back against. And no question is too small to start with. Everybody starts somewhere and, and women in particular should not feel intimidated and should feel that they have a seat at the table, even if it's not in their wheelhouse, as it were. We have many clients who come from many different industries, and I think it really comes down to allowing them to be heard, communicating with them, and making them feel comfortable to share and ask questions so that they feel empowered and ownership of their financial situation, which is ultimately the goal in any relationship with a client. And so what would you say to a woman who might be a client and the spouse or partner, you know, seems more interested or engaged or talkative. And you know, there's another one who maybe is not as vocal 
in dealing with you? How do you make sure you're pulling that person through so they do have the knowledge and they do feel comfortable enough to really know what's going on with their finances? For me, I always start by trying to have separate conversations at some point early on in the relationship. My partner and I make that part of our process so that we can understand some dynamics and hear from different sides of any relationship. I will say that I've also seen situations where, you know, the wife is more outspoken than the husband is and the wife handles the finances more than the husband does. There's definitely opportunity for a role reversal there. But I would encourage if someone is in a relationship where they don't feel heard, I would encourage them to also reach out from the client's perspective. Because as the advisor, if I reach out and there's not a lot of engagement or openness, it's difficult to break those walls down. So I go back to saying it's like a good friendship. We all have to be vulnerable. We all have to be modest. We have to know our own limits. And I think that if someone's in a situation where they don't feel comfortable being open about that with their advisor, then it's probably time to think about finding someone else. So let's talk about women who might find themselves in another unfortunate situation, which is that of divorce and really having to understand what their financial needs are at that time, maybe even educate themselves about their finances. Have you worked with clients in this situation and how do you generally just help them during what's usually a very difficult time period? We have worked with clients in that situation, unfortunately. It is an emotionally stressful time. I think the first thing that we often find is it could also be a a man getting divorced and feeling stressed out. Um, What we most often find is that couples have the same financial advisor. Someone's breaking up with someone. Mm, Yes. (laughs) The financial side as well. One spouse is finding a new advisor. And I view the advisor's role at that point as taking as much of the burden off of the client as possible and also making sure that they are being heard and that you're speaking their language because it it can be that the spouse that comes to you is the one that may not have been as comfortable transacting in the financial world. But the next step would then be understanding what they have to work with and what their needs are and really making them feel comfortable that you can align their portfolio to meet their needs and giving them a plan. I think that that's what we have found makes clients in those situations feel the most empowered where they, they know now what they have, they can quantify it and they know what they're going to do with it. Because often when you do have a split at a larger size one individual isn't as comfortable with what's happening in the portfolio and they feel lost and they feel like the floor has fallen out from under them. I also think that it's very important to have a team around you. And that includes, you know, your marital attorney in that situation, an accountant and your advisor, and to make sure that there's an open line of communication so that they are sharing their experiences Because there are a lot of little pitfalls and you want to have checks and balances to make sure that you have different eyes on to make sure that you're not falling victim to anything as you're separating your assets. Mm. That's very helpful advice. So sounds like make sure you have the fuller team with you in that situation and ask for that structure up front, getting everything organized in one place, get the knowledge you need so that you can really use that as a tool to move through all the various pieces you need to. Yeah, I think it's using that so that you can start your new life and move forward and 
really separate yourself from whatever setup you had in the past and make sure that what you're doing going forward works for you. Because actually, in a way, you now don't have to worry about someone else, right? You can be very selfish. And it's an opportunity to be selfish and articulate that and feel empowered to be selfish. So let's talk about how the job of an advisor has changed, particularly over the last few years, as more and more technology has been brought into the field. And when I say technology, I'm thinking of things that you might be using to serve clients better. I'm thinking of ways clients might be accessing information better online, for example. So can you describe how it's just become a more technical job with more tools that have helped you? Certainly from my perspective as an advisor from 10 years ago to today, we couldn't have worked from home 10 years ago, right? So quite obviously technology has come a long way even in the last 10 years. But I think more interestingly from the client's perspective to your point of what you just said, Sam, that clients and everybody, we have more access to information and we have more access to investments. So in many ways, people can be their own financial advisors, right? They can invest their own money. They can buy fractional shares now. That's not something that was as easy to do 10 years ago. I think technology is great in many, many respects. I think we also have to respect its limits and see that it's not the end-all be-all, particularly when it comes to the world of investing. And what I mean by that in particular is that you know, we have to recognize the limits of artificial intelligence and online investment services. And I think most often clients forget the emotional part of investing and that the emotional decisions are actually what create the most pitfalls when it comes to managing your own portfolio. Do you find clients more knowledgeable when they talk to you about certain things? And yet, is that knowledge almost dangerous? Because to your point, they're awash in information and you have to help them sort out what's worth listening to. Certainly from when I started out versus today, there is a greater comfort with what's happening in the markets. It's just there's a higher level of participation. Even my friends that don't work in finance will talk to me about Amazon and Tesla and Facebook and whatever stock is in the news that day. I see, though, that there's a great opportunity now that when there is so much information for us to educate and empower people that we work with, it can certainly be a double-edged sword of too much information. People can be their own worst enemy. They think they're very well-informed. In some situations, they are very well informed, but in every situation, it leads to a great conversation and an opportunity for us to talk it through. I think a great source of information for me as well is my clients. Like My clients are a wonderful way for me to learn about a specific industry, you know, what's happening in the world, and also to learn about them and to understand their perspective, which is a constantly changing piece of information that I need to do my job as a financial advisor. So before COVID, what were some of the most common questions you heard from clients and what were their priorities and how has that changed given COVID? Well, before COVID, one of the most common questions about the market was, when is it going to fall, right? Is it just going to keep climbing forever? I think that we've been in an 11-year bull market And that can lull people into a sense of security with what is going to happen in the markets. 
But there's always some concern in the market. And I think from what I've found is that clients always have a reason to be worried and not to get invested. But one of the big changes that I did see through COVID was that focus back on what a priority was. And I have encouraged people to look back and say, what made you feel panicked? And do you feel prepared if that were to happen again? Because I think, you know, we're not out of the COVID woods yet in a humanity perspective. I do think what's interesting is that the market wraps its head around what's happening reasonably quickly. And there is a disconnect between what's happening in the markets and what's happening in the world. And that has been very difficult for any investor to reconcile. We see that people aren't working. We see there's more homelessness. We know people are out of jobs. We know people are struggling. We know people are dying. And yet the market seems to be okay. That has been a very big struggle. And I think that it's human nature to want to fall back on what you're seeing and make investment decisions based on that. But that has been another opportunity to kind of take a step back and look at the facts from an investment perspective, which has led to a lot of productive conversations for us with our clients. And I think helped people think back to why did I panic? What were my priorities? Are my priorities still the same? I think another outcome of COVID is that clients have been more focused on what happens to me if I die, something that you know, maybe prior to COVID, it didn't feel like as big of a risk to everyone day to day, right? If you were sick, or if you had someone elderly, different story, but now we're all faced with the reality that any of us could get sick at any time. And I think that has also highlighted how the financial industry or the wealth management industry has changed in general, in the past 10 years, where historically, advisors were more transactional, a client might go to their advisor and say, I want an international stock portfolio. Can you do it for me? Great. And things were done in a vacuum. Now I see the role of a financial advisor to really be the first phone call for a client when it comes to a financial issue, to be an advisor to them on every front and to be talking about all these different aspects of their lives and to think 10 steps ahead when they make any change in a portfolio. And When it comes then to life planning and thinking about passing away or having some event like that in your life, whether it's you or a family member and being prepared for that, that's become a very important part of the conversation, not only in the last few years, but highlighted by COVID where we're talking about estate planning. Do you have your will set up correctly? Are your accounts titled in the right way such that if something happens to you, can your spouse access the money? How do you want your kids to access funds if you leave it to them? Have you planned for certain outcomes? Are there loose ends that you didn't tie up that we can help you with? Mm -hmm. So, If anything, it's just highlighted the reality of everything. COVID highlighted the reality of life, the reality of investing, and really trying to bring it back to what does this mean to me? How can I make this work for me? So since you work with clients at different stages and ages, I'm wondering if you notice different attitudes across the generations when it comes to taking risk and pursuing investments. I think that there are very young clients that are not comfortable with taking risk, and there are older clients that love taking risks and are are very enthused by the prospect of growth. 
So I, I hesitate to say it depends on your age. The difference that I have observed is that older clients tend to understand a bit more what they want their money to do for them. Younger clients tend to have all the opportunities at their fingertips in terms of where they want to live, what they want to do. They may not have established a family yet. They have less obligations. They have more opportunity for growth. But I think what's more interesting is that we have been conditioned into believing that certain types of investments will do certain things for us. I find that to be more true with older generations where they view, for instance, fixed income or bonds as a way to have your money keep its principal. So keep the value of your money and also get income to live off of. And fixed income isn't providing that in people's portfolios anymore today. We are in a low interest rate environment. Bonds are not paying what they used to. That is not a viable, feasible strategy like it was five years ago, even 10 years ago, especially more so. So if anything, I found that with older clients, I have to break them of the habit of asking for those types of investments because they don't actually line up with what they need or they can't get to their goals. They can't achieve their goals with those investments. So if anything, it's breaking our preconceived notions about what investments are supposed to do to me and really being flexible with the changing times, observing what's happening in the market today and helping translate that into achieving our clients' needs within their portfolio. So Anne-Marie, that's a really interesting example of changing investors' thinking. Can you think of any other preconceived notions about investing that you're trying to help your clients view differently? A preconceived notion from my perspective is that if you don't have an academic background in, in finance, then you have no business having this conversation or asking questions or educating yourself. That is something that I'm constantly trying to break clients of. Just two weeks ago, we took on a new relationship. It was actually interesting in that it's a, a female whose ex-husband is involved in the relationship and they have a, a great relationship. But the first thing the female said to me was, I'm bad at this. I'm not very smart. Don't ask me any questions. I probably won't be able to add anything. And that attitude, whether it comes from a, a man, a woman, a teenager, whomever it is, right, old, young, that's a preconceived notion that I would love to break people of. I think that it's never too late to start and you're always allowed to ask every question. Talk to us about your experience as a female financial advisor. We are always looking, of course, to have more women on the advisor side. So I'd love to know what it's been like for you. I started out about 10 years ago. It was very important to me to build my own business, to not join an existing team where I would be forced into a certain role. So I wanted to own the relationships with my clients and I wanted to be at the helm of the investment decision making. That was something that was a priority of mine. I view myself as an entrepreneur. Financial advising is very entrepreneurial. We essentially build our own businesses. That's one of the things that I love about my job, that I can own what my day looks like and that I'm responsible to myself for how hard I work. But 
I think about myself less as a female financial advisor and more as a business owner and an entrepreneur. Do you recommend to other women to go into this field? This is an amazing field for women, for anyone in general. Um, I think for women in particular, if you want to decide what your day is going to look like, what your life is going to look like, there's a great deal of flexibility. COVID has shown that to us, especially. We are very fortunate that we can all work from home. We can really work from anywhere. But I think for women in particular that plan to have families or want that work-life balance flexibility, this is an amazing industry because you decide what your hours are, how hard you're going to work, and what you're going to be offering to your clients day to day based on what you can give. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's so nice to speak with you and hear about you know your approach to investing, how you serve your clients, and really how you help them now in such an uncertain and volatile time. So thank you for that work. Thank you again for having me. Thanks to Anne-Marie for joining me. I love to see a fellow history major succeeding in financial services. She has such a thoughtful approach to managing her clients' portfolios and helping to map out their lives. She's certainly a friend I want in my financial corner. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. Please refer to the podcast description for additional disclosures.